This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. I'm Will Pampus and Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors because Kev Jackson needs all the help he can get. We have chased down Joel Nelson of Joel Nelson Outdoors. Joel, thanks for taking the time today. Hey, thank you. Hey, uh, let's talk a little bit before we get into fishing. Let's talk a little bit about hunting. How was your hunting season? Uh, you know, it's interesting. We had an extended season down here. We're in a CWD zone where I'm at, just south of the Twin Cities. And <laughs> all the hot hunting opportunity I wanted and then some. Took a few does for the freezer. Uh, had a few run-ins with Mr. Big, but never was able to pull the trigger on him. So <laughs> oh. it was good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see him anyway. They're around. So do you have a, an area you hunt every year, or do you kind of go here, there, or wherever yeah. you hear it? I'm lucky to, uh, I, I kind of grew up on the family farm, have some family land, and uh, end up most of the time spending uh, my fall hunting season kind of where I grew up hunting. So a lot of tradition, a lot of nostalgia with it. It's, uh, yeah, for me, it's a trip back through time every time I, I head out to the woods. Is it, uh, is it a family get-together every year? You know, it, it's interesting. Uh, hunting party members have come and gone, but uh, kind of starting new traditions with my boys. Um, and and right now they're interesting about it. They sometimes they're really into it, sometimes not. So I kind of I let them I, I let them take it at their own pace. But I it I typically have somebody to enjoy it with, whether it's one of my boys or a buddy or something to that effect. So it's fun. All right. So CWD down there. I know that's one of the hotbeds, I guess you could call it, of, of CWD. Is it getting any yeah. better? Well, it's interesting. Um, they're not necessarily sampling a lot of deer these days that have CWD. I think last I heard in our zone, only one or two uh, were detected, and it's a pretty densely hunted area, so there's a lot of people taking a lot of deer that are required to be tested. So uh, I wouldn't say that CWD is taking off, at least in my immediate area, from everything I've seen and heard. Okay. Well, um, let's now move into ice fishing. You live in the balmy southern climes. I mean, you got do you have any ice down there? <laughs> we don't. We don't currently. We did for a little while, and it wasn't great ice. But I was lucky. You know, we've got this area along the Mississippi River backwaters, which is so diverse, so full of fish. And uh, on thin ice years, it's a real benefit because it's like three to four feet deep. So if if you do run into problems and and you go under, you're not going to be swimming necessarily. You might just be waiting. Oh, well that that's good. But, yeah, it's <laughs> it's so frustrating, definitely even up here, you know. I mean, we're getting some real cold weather finally. Ice should thicken yeah. up. But we've had, uh, well, we had one tragedy on, on Cass Lake, and we've had a lot of near tragedies on Lake of the Woods and in, in Upper Red. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me knowing that that's so far north for me and, and – yeah, typically those are areas that I'd be pulling a, a wheelhouse onto now for sure. And you guys aren't talking wheelhouses yet, are you? No. In fact, uh, as of now, you still can't put even an ATV out on the lake, on Upper Red. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, um, it'll be a good thing, I think, long term. I I love early ice, and we get to kind of enjoy a, a prolonged early ice kind of year this year. And, you know, it's interesting. I. I think of it in terms of fish populations. A lot of times these fish need a little break, and they're going to get a good one this year. You know, they really are. It's not going to be everybody out there pounding on them and taking them home in bucket loads. It's going to be a little dicey for a while, and, yeah, 
It's not always bad to give the resource a little break, right? <laughs> yes, and and it's getting a break. I mean, even up here, and of course, uh, you know, Gull Lake, they've got they've got their big. Uh, um, ice fishing extravaganza planned for February 7th. I don't know if that can happen or not. Um, and, you know, just a lot of things that are kind of askew right now. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I do feel bad for them. I feel bad for the resorts. Um, mm-hmm. Typically, you know, they're enjoying some traffic, at least foot traffic, well before Christmas. And, uh, you know, it's tough. It's tough on the fishing industry a little bit, too, uh, especially coming out of last year where, we almost had the opposite problem in that there was too much cold and snow and ice and the snow really prevented people from coming around. So kind of two back to back years where ice conditions haven't been the best, but uh, I'm just going to take it as it comes and enjoy it when it happens. Yeah, indeed. We really don't have any other options, do we? (laughs) There is that, you know, there are a lot of people I have been seeing traveling to Winnipeg, like Lake Winnipeg, Uh, buddy, buddies of mine headed to North Dakota and things like that. Uh, so, so there are options if you're willing to travel a little bit, but you know, just like most years, you get a couple of weeks behind us, some cold weather and Hey, it'll just be ice season again, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and I think the thing that is also dicey every year is how much people do love early ice. And of course you would, because it's basically an extension of the fall bite, which is usually a really good bite. So you want to take advantage, but you got to be careful, man. Every, even, even on good years, you got to be careful. For sure. Yeah, ice safety, it's, it's interesting. You know, we haven't had such a focus on ice safety like we have in these last two years, and for good reason, because, yeah, you really, even when the calendar says it's middle January, that doesn't mean anything for the ice thickness. And I, I've got some spots right now where I could creep out onto reasonable ice. The problem is right nearby is very unreasonable, unpredictable ice. And when you've got inconsistent freezing like that, maybe some moving water, situations uh yeah tap the brakes let it let it firm up yeah well um one of the things that you can do you can certainly make your life a little easier or a little safer by getting a float suit i mean uh, they're everywhere now they're not the most expensive thing in the world and man how much more you know how much better will you more better will you feel being out there with one of those yeah no doubt i you know i'm impressed every year they keep coming out with better options and better opportunities. They're lighter weight. They're warmer. I work with Striker, and I'm always impressed with the fact that, like, they're just a good suit for ice fishing. I don't even think about it anymore in terms of the flotation. I know it's there. That's in the back of my mind. But they're just well-organized, well-designed. They've got the butt pads, the knee pads, ergonomic kind of pocket designs, places to put your bait puck. Yeah, I just – anymore, there's really not many excuses for not having one because – they're not bulky. They do breathe. They are more affordable than they've ever been. There's more options than there ever have been. So, yeah, uh, having a float suit, it's kind of a necessity these days. Why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. You mentioned Lake Winnipeg. Have you ever been up to Lake Winnipeg? Yes, I have fished the peg several times. Um, I won't say a lot, but probably a dozen or so times. And every time I'm there, I, it's, it's, a, it's a wonder. It's massive, right? I mean, that's the thing a lot of people don't understand. You can you can drive for hours on one side of the lake and look to the right, and, yeah, it's the Lake Winnipeg. <laughs> you know, yeah. So there's a lot of places to fish. It's really a wild frontier, and nothing is harder on equipment and ice vehicles and sleds and augers than that lake. It's just, 
it's a big rugged windswept piece of piece of walleye water for sure. Well, and you know, of course, it's uh, everybody wants to catch the greenback walleye because that's kind of a rare thing to see. Um, are, are they different than regular walleye, other than the fact they're green? No, they're really interesting. They they have that shine to them, but no, for the most part, they're just walleyes and. I think the cool part about them is, though, is that because they do look a little different, and at times they really act different. They, when when the bite is really good, it 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 almost feels like they're sunfish, uh, or or some other like panfish species that like flocks around your bait and hits aggressively, and you're and you set the hook and it's a 26 inch walleye. I mean that the only other place I've been that's like that is Lake Erie when it freezes, and that only happens on average once every decade or so. So I. Um, I take the chance to fish Erie when it freezes, and whenever I can get up to Winnipeg, I do that too. Okay. Uh, I tell you, um, uh, it's an interesting lake. I know that very few people actually fish it in the summer because it is so windy. It's so difficult to be out there. Yeah, it can be a challenge, and I think that's why in the, the summer months a lot of people do fish in the river. They've got a few more options. I Actually, I work with Lund, and I have a Canadian counterpart uh a uh, person that works at Lund that has a cabin on Lake Winnipeg. And he gets out fairly regularly, but he does need a big boat, and he does have blow days where he can't get out. So, yeah, it um, it's a little tricky from that perspective, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Well, what advice would you have for people if they if they were on a piece of safe ice and they wanted to do some ice fishing? What uh, wh- Where should they look, and what should they throw down that hole right now? I'm really interested to see. I've been I've been just creeping out in some small areas where I can, but I'm interested to see in what weed beds look like, especially some of the better uh, cabbage beds uh, and coontail beds that I, I routinely fish on on big main main body water flats. You know, kind of that eight to twelve foot range. Um, I suspect that because you've had some sunlight penetration and you haven't had heavy snow cover, that some of those weed beds are still standing and looking pretty good and if it were me i would be poking around in some of those mid-lake flats looking around for the healthiest green weeds that are still standing and trying to chase down panfish uh of of your choice in and around them especially in the pockets in the weeds so that's probably what i'm going to be doing when i get some chances to get out um and then i'm also interested in what the walleyes are doing if they're more edge of weed early ice kind of uh, locations or if they're more like main lake structure out in the depth something that you'd consider more for a midwinter kind of late winter spot so yeah the deck's been shuffled um it's a little bit different it's hard to predict where they might be but i'm going to be i'm going to be checking them out in both locations shallow and deep to try and get a bead on them once i do get out there well, one of the things that has become extremely popular uh, ice fishing wise the last uh, probably five years or so, eel pout fishing, which of course uh, gets serious in about a month or so. Are you an eel pout angler? I, I've done it several times. I uh, typically when I catch eel pout, it's been bycatch, <laughs> but I do love catching them because they are a blast. Um, there is a knack to it. I. I've been out with a number of guides and people that uh, fish for eel pelt more seriously than I do, and people that are good do, good good at it definitely stir up the bottom a little bit more. Um, they use glow, they use big balls of bait on their treble hooks. They they have a little bit of a method to their madness. So uh, yeah, I I do like eel pelt fishing, and I like eating them too. They're 
They're really good, actually, when they're cooked right. That's what I've heard. I've heard they're outstanding, actually. Yeah. No, they really are. Uh, And, of course, uh, now it is a sport fish, so I'm assuming at some point we might see some some regulations uh, and and an actual season for them, uh, which is probably a good thing because once things get popular with our technology in this day and age – Things things can get in, in trouble uh, in a real hurry if you're if you're not controlling yourself or having somebody control the the limit for you. I I agree completely. It's 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 long. It's been long overdue to get them some protection as a species because you know there's a number of lakes that um, that we all bounce around that we do run into them frequently on. But a lot of those same body of water, some same bodies of water, as they get popular, are the ones that people are flocking to. So, you know, you really do see increased pressure based solely on that species in specific spots where eel pout typically are. So that's a new thing. That's not anything we've experienced, let's say, 10 years ago and previous, at least in any large numbers. So, you know, popular bodies of water do need a little bit of protection. So. They don't all go home in buckets. Still one segment to go, and it's going to be a good one. Hi, this is Joel Nelson of Joel Nelson Outdoors. We just call him Kev's son because he doesn't know Jack. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service and Fish House Rentals. Are you looking to plan your next ice fishing adventure? Well, look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is the place to be. There are over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji. Come drop a line at becoming a fishing legend. While on your fishing adventure, explore the hundreds of well-groomed snowmobile trails that Bemidji has to offer. Don't forget to take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Bathe the Blue Ox. Bemidji, bigger fish and better stories. This is Bro reminding you that the coolest people are on Fishing Paul Bunyan Country and Kevin Jackson, too. One of the things that uh, I'm going to be watching closely, in fact, I'll be talking with some people about it next week, is the new DNR group uh, discussing technology and its effect on angling. And they'll be looking at everything, sonar um, or front-facing sonar, all of that stuff. They'll be talking about uh, social media and how quickly the word can get out about a hot bite and how that affects things. Um, I know you uh, probably are well, uh, in, you know, well versed in everything that's out there, and, and I know you're participating in a lot of it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, it always, to me, has come down to the individual angler's responsibility mm-hmm. to take care of the resources that they enjoy. And there's always going to be bad actors out there. There's always going to be people that will take new technology and not just learn from it, but learn to use it to to exploit the resource. And what's interesting to me from a fishery science standpoint is that limits were set up with the idea of not everybody being able to reach that limit and keep those fish. Limits were set up with this idea that there's a lot of times where people don't catch any fish or they catch some fish. And the days where they really get into them, they may keep up to that limit. But when you raise the low water mark uh, for everybody, raise that benchmark uh, where everybody is catching some fish or more fish, then the limits may not apply as they once did. So I fully support changing limits to reflect actual success rates that are going on out there, not just limits based on what we can take home and put in a bucket. Right. 
All right. Well, that that's going to be, of course, an interesting topic, and it's been an interesting topic for a few years. Uh, certainly, I know that the uh, the Muskie Anglers, uh, or the Muskie uh, Professional League, uh, pulled that off their tournaments last year. I yeah. I haven't heard a lot of talk about that happening in walleye circles, but I, I know one of the things that is most concerning, I think, in the walleye circles, and and maybe you know deeper panfish is when those fish go deep in the summer, and it's so easy to get down there and spot them. Uh, it's tempting to just keep going after them down there, but if you there's no you can't catch and release when you're doing that. Right? No, you're dead right. I mean, barotrauma is a real thing, and there's been a big hubbub about barotrauma mm-hmm. as if it were as if it were a new topic. It's <laughs> popped up. It's not a new topic. It's been recognized and understood in the saltwater fisheries scene for many decades. It's been well studied. We do understand the effects of barotrauma and. Whether we release fish and, and they swim away or not, it doesn't matter if they die later. And I applaud the efforts of the DNR and others that are really looking deeply into this issue to try and inform anglers uh, such that, yeah, we've got all this technology. Um, we may be able to target deeper fish better with this technology because they're just more easily seen across a broader expanse. So, you know, anytime you add more knowledge and information into those scenarios, you're going to hopefully come out with a better result. And yeah, I'm a big supporter of that for sure. So um, based on your fishing last year, what you've seen of ice fishing, not a whole lot, but what you've seen of ice fishing so far this year, uh, what are your thoughts about uh, the bite coming up in soft water season 2024? Do you think the populations are healthy? Do you think they're, you know, if things go well, we'll have a good bite? I do, and I, it's going to be really crazy because, yeah, these fish have gotten a massive break in just about all areas. There was not much for an early ice fish in December uh, through most of the state. Some people got out a little bit, but there really haven't been the droves of anglers that are out, and this is probably going to affect at least the southern half of the state. It's going to affect people that camp out on those deep water crappie holes and those basin crappies. So I think we're going to see an overall break for the resource, which is, hey, well-deserved, maybe well-needed in some places. And then you're probably, because ice thickness is only going to be able to form so much depth in a short amount of time, you're probably going to see an earlier ice out in a lot of areas, if I'm just prognosticating a little bit. And then on top of that, you're going to get people that are really interested, right? People that are excited to open water fish because, Maybe they didn't get out and ice fish as much as they wanted to. So I'm already looking forward to an earlier ice out potentially, um, early season pan fishing, and an opportunity to get out in the boat and really, really enjoy the resource. Christmas has come and gone. Many people maybe got a you know a, a Bass Pro Shop or a Cabela's a gift card or they got cash. Uh, what are they, besides electronics, because we always know there's new electronics to buy, but besides electronics, what should they consider using those gift cards and cash for? That's a great question. I, I'm right now working on an article about staying hyper light out on the ice. And, you know, we talked about float suits and they have gotten lighter than ever. Uh, you see the trend in ice fishing augers like the ions being lighter than they ever have been before. And I also think of our shelters, and I've become a big fan of the hub shelters lately. Uh, I tell you what, Otter makes a really nice lightweight hub uh, in the Vortex series that I like working with, mostly because it's super flexible. It's a format that fits in the back seat of my truck, just like it does in the bed of my truck. 
I don't need to take up a ton of room with a flip style shelter or necessarily have something like an ATV to pull it, especially for years like this when you got to hand drag a sled anyway. I've got a kid in college who travels with a hub, so he, he can ice fish just off the side of the road whenever he gets the hankering to do it. And so I really think for any angler that hasn't really gotten into the hub style angling, um, they're a real benefit and they're a lot of fun to fish out of because there's a ton of square footage in most of them. And you just have the ability to spread out, really enjoy the bite, easy setup, easy put away. And they're cheaper, too. So you kind of got the nexus of a lot of different really great things going on all at once with uh, with an Otter Hub. Okay, awesome. Well, before we wrap it up, you got time for a Fast Five? Yeah, hit me. All right, here we go. Joel Nelson, Fast Five. Fast Five. Who's with me? <laughs> Question number one. What is Joel Nelson's favorite movie? Of all time. Oh, oh my God. That's brutal. I love, I'm a big movie buff. And uh, you say all time, and I think like old classic westerns, I'm probably going to be like a fistful of dollars or something like that because they're just, they've stood the test of time. Okay. All right. Question number two What's your favorite TV show of all time? Oh, man. Oh, are you kidding me? There's so much good stuff. Um, Breaking Bad, let's say. Who knows? Breaking Bad. A lot of people love Breaking Bad, for sure. All right, question number three. Besides fishing and or hunting, what is Joel Nelson's favorite sport? Oh, my favorite sport. Well, I played baseball and football. I like watching both. But, golly, I really, I've been doing a little bit of golfing lately. It's just a, a way to stay outside. And in the midsummer, when the fishing isn't as good as it could otherwise be, that's kind of my golf window. All right. You and John Hoyer. Hoyer's a big, he loves golfing too. I bet he's much better at it than I am. I'll just go whack it around the course. That's what I do. I, you know, John Hoyer is better than everybody at everything. It's, I know. It's that's kind of a demo, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I, I hate him, except he's such a nice guy. Yeah, exactly. I hear you. <laughs> Question number four, what was your favorite subject in school? Oh, man. Uh, I really liked art history. I, I had a great humanities class in high school and ended up taking some classes like that in college. I really liked it. Okay, wow. And question number five, it is your last day on planet Earth. What's going to be that final meal for Joel Nelson? <laughs> it's going to be seafood. Hopefully I'm near a coast somewhere <laughs> and I can pick it up or fish for it myself and cook it myself. I just, man, uh, the freshness of fresh seafood from either the east or west coast, uh, I don't care what it is, uh, shrimp, lobster, some kind of crustacean, fresh fish, that's that's my jam. All right. And uh, a couple sides. Throw me a couple sides. And remember, you don't have to worry about your waistline anymore because this is it. <laughs> this is it. Uh, who can go wrong with potatoes of almost any kind? Yep. I would I would want to Google the daylight out of killer <laughs> potato recipes out of France and uh, really make it fancy and nice. And yeah, I don't need a vegetable in there because I'm going to die. Fruit, <laughs> optional. We'd go straight to dessert. It'd probably be like, uh, I don't know, creme brulee or something like that. Uh, you know, I can't argue with that. That's, that's all good stuff. <laughs> no doubt. Well, listen, Joel, if we want great advice from you or want to see what you're up to, uh, how do we follow the exploits and adventures of Joel Nelson? 
Uh, you can check me out in any of the publications I write for, like Outdoor News, In Fisherman, and uh, Game and Fish Magazine. But everything I write and take part in is going to be on my website, www.joelnelsonoutdoors.com, or on my social channels at Joel Nelson Outdoors. He's Joel Nelson of Joel Nelson Outdoors. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for joining us today. Joel, thank you for taking the time. Really appreciate it. You got it. Have a great one, Kev. Pop on in country.